0: Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast broadcasting to you live on EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian.
1: And I'm Lizzie. What kind of intro was that? <laughs>
0: Welcome. I don't know. It's, you know, maybe that's a new type of energy for this episode. This is the Emo Social Club podcast. Uh, we talk about music, rad people in the music industry, uh, news, you know, about Everything, music. Just you music, know? you know emo-based.
1: How will you get from point A to point B in life? Mm-hmm. The real story.
0: Yeah, this episode is with new... I'm going to use your word, Lizzie. This episode is with new bestie Darrow.
1: Do you enjoy using the word bestie now?
0: <laughs> no, I hate it. Um, the,
1: uh, Brian has been chastising me this entire like week and a half 100%. for using the word bestie.
0: <laughs> I have. Uh... <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah i have uh this is a super cool chat because darrow is awesome and has so many good stories and honestly we were like sitting there before the recording started and he was just like telling us all this stuff and i'm like this is the content <laughs> this is the." we content. need to record we need to right we need now need to record um it's a really cool chat uh darrow's super cool uh he also sent us video i'm just gonna tell you it's really good it's It's real good real spooky energy yeah that's coming out later uh in october so uh this is right on time you know it's right on time for spooky month uh so yeah check out darrow on this episode and of course follow everywhere before we get into that though why don't you leave us (laughs) a review what if you had to go to apple podcasts if that's where you're listening to this and just say Yo, I've really liked this episode. That'd be really cool, y'all. And so. put
1: five stars.
0: Five stars, no
1: less. No less. <laughs> no
0: less. Unless you're not pleased, in which case,
1: take it you, to Twitter. Take at
0: it to Twitter at Emo
1: Social Club X. I will yeah. talk to you.
0: Oh, we'll talk to you. Uh, X Emo Social Club X, and same on TikTok. You can find us on Instagram at Emo Social Club. Uh, you can find us on Twitch, Emo Social TV. You can join our Discord emosocial.club slash discord. That yeah, that's all of our links. You can find us at all Just those. Come places come hang out with us. Cool. We would love it if you could come and hang out with us. Uh we have a lot of cool stuff coming up for the month of October. A lot of them are not streams, which kind of sucks. Yeah, which but, sucks uh, for some
1: of our friends, but we'll be yeah, back.
0: I, I'm sure uh I'm sure you and our audience can relate that uh because of having to move everything we had to m- like everyone moves things to October. So now we are doing a lot in October just is what it is. The so fact know, that me and Brian get to
1: see 100 Gex soon is yep. so exciting. And I keep oh, forgetting. Yeah. And then I see it in my calendar and I say, oh, my God, it's almost 100 Gex time. Seeing
0: gex. Yeah. So, I mean, we we got a lot of fun stuff coming up this month and we we miss you. We love you. If you're a member of the club, we hope you are. Uh We will we will hopefully be back soon, uh, definitely in November. But we will see you for the times that we have in October, and you can check out our schedule on our Discord or any of our. You can find out our (laughs) schedule on any of our social platforms because we post there whenever we're doing something. So, yeah, just check us out whenever you can. Uh, Without further to To promote or to do, here is our episode with Darrow. Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian.
1: And I'm Lizzie, and we're here this evening with Dara. We're so appreciative and, like, super hyped to talk with you, because I know I've heard some of your music prior to even getting an email to link up with you, so I'm, like, super stoked that we're all here tonight to, like, chat. Wait, really? Yeah.
2: That's dope. That's See, that's <laughs> cool. I've never met a person who's, like, well, yeah, I've never met a person who's, like, listen to my music before i've worked with them hmm. i've always had to I, send them stuff
1: <laughs> i definitely feel like it has either been because i listen to a lot of serious xm radio so i don't know if it was there or if it was like from a spotify like release radar but i remember hearing it, i was like oh wait like this is really good who is this and i was like oh okay and then i saw it like a few months later and i was like wait a second <laughs> oh
2: that's so cool that's good that makes me re- like I, i'm doing something right that yeah. means i think
0: Yeah. (laughs) okay good uh well let's let you introduce yourself tell us about your your musical journey i guess (laughs) your journey yeah so start from the very beginning the the day you were born up until now. no but (laughs) (laughs) i was born
2: on a tuesday february the 16th at 4 a.m
0: all right oh
1: man he's got uh, his birth chart and everything yeah i know you know that he knows that much
0: shit because i was born on a tuesday february the 10th so just a week before wait what, what year were you born 93 wow, my...
1: okay yeah wow no. my pisces boys right yeah
0: <laughs> I'm, an
2: aquarius. Right? I'm an aquarius yeah, aquarius. yeah. yeah. Aquarius.
1: i get along with both very well that's all i know because i'm a sagittarius okay
2: that's good because if we weren't going to get along i'd have to log yeah out, like well good nobody good here is a fucking podcast. gemini right <laughs> um yeah so my name is darrow i am i i guess i call myself an emo pop punk artist asian-american and i was born in pennsylvania south central pennsylvania um and I have been playing music since I was, like, I want to say 12, 13, seriously at, like, 17. Um, my, my dad used to play in a Cambodian wedding band. So I'm Cambodian-American, first generation. My, my dad used to play in a Cambodian wedding band. And I, I remember I would sit at the top of the stairs every Sunday before they, uh, while they practiced. Um, and I always remember Sundays were football. And band practice right <laughs> so like like they would they would practice and then they would go upstairs and watch football and then i would come downstairs while they were watching football and i would just like bang on the drums the while yeah. they were um uh and i was really bad but i always just <laughs> like i always like i don't know i've always had this like knack for figuring stuff out or or rather like seeing the end result and figuring out how to get there even when it was a like, with music and so like i i was able to like hear what they were playing and like kind of remember what they're playing and just kind of like go down and figure out how to get the sound that they were playing um and i was doing that for years until i actually like picked up a guitar um and so when i started playing the guitar it was like it was like a whole new thing it was like the most challenging thing too because like like i couldn't put my fingers on the strings like it hurt so mm-hmm. bad and it's like that's one of the things about like playing guitar it's really painful to start that's why it's i actually, quit <laughs> it's really discouraging too right yeah but 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 if you can, like, get past that and, like, get to the point where you can, like, play a song that you've been wanting to play for a really long time, it's, like, one of the most rewarding experiences. Mm-hmm. I still love playing guitar more than anything else, like, more than singing. Like, mm-hmm. more than – like, just – it's just one of the most satisfying things to do. Um, and so, yeah, like, I started playing guitar when I was, like, 12 or 13. Um, we grew up really, you know, I guess pretty poor. I didn't know I was poor. Didn't know I was poor until, <laughs> like – until I left – my hometown. Cause I was like one of the first in my entire family to do it. Like we're, we are a huge family. I'm like one of 23 cousins, like, Damn. and one of the youngest too. So all of my cousins are older than me and I think they're all gen X. So like, I'm one of the, one of like three, two or three millennials of my like generation. Um, and so everybody like stays home. Like everyone stayed in my hometown and I was one of the first to ever leave, to go to college. And then when I, Went to college. I, I first went to college in um in Philly. Uh I went to Temple University for like two years. And that was when I realized I was like, one, I thought it was smart. One, I, I thought I was I thought I was a smart kid. I'm not even kidding. Like I like because I went to like a really urban school. Like, um, like I think we consistently ranked in the entire state of Pennsylvania, we ranked in the bottom five every year. Hmm. Um the year that I graduated, we were like 499 out of 500. Wow! Um, so I want to say my class was the reason why we were not 500 because like me and my friends were like the smart kids of that like that grade. Okay. Can't um, believe so, you
1: carried the entire um, yeah. grade on your back. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> that was a weird year. That was a weird year. We ha- we lost a lot of kids in freshman. Like I think our freshman high school class was like 470 kids, and then our graduating class was like 220. Wow. it was like we lost 200 Holy kids shit. from freshman year to high school and that's pretty wow. it's really common at in that in that high school is like um you know a lot of kids get into gangs and a lot of kids go to jail some of them just drop out um and teenage pregnancy was really high in that school so like so i thought i was really smart because i was like you know top 10 of the graduating class and then i go to school where like people were actually educated in high school like they weren't just like playing Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> in like science class which is what we did a lot we wow. did a lot of Listen, and strategy Hagisak. that sounds awesome that's
1: strategy
2: i know like I once know. in a it while was, that sounds great yeah it honestly it was pretty it was pretty dope <laughs> like we we did some really some really fucked up shit that we got away with and we got away with it because we were like the best kids in the class mm-hmm. so like we were legitimately allowed to do whatever we want because like And a lot of my friends were white like a lot of my friends are like the only white kids in the school so they were just like i was classified with them as like part of the white kids and they were just straight up like oh they're the white kids they're not doing anything wrong because comparatively we were doing nothing wrong Mm -hmm. comparatively we weren't like ditching class bringing like i don't think anyone brought weapons in but there were like bomb threats all the time and stuff like that so it was like a pretty like and it wasn't even like dangerous it was just people were people were like just having fun and being ridiculous about it Mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, so long story short, I thought I was like a smart kid, and then I went to I went to school and to college with like other people who got like a real high school education, and I just remember I remember failing pre-calculus three times in a row, three semesters in a row. Um, and I was that was like rough because like, I thought I was going to be a computer scientist, you know, like I thought Ooh, I was going to okay. make bank, yeah, and I just like. <laughs> I couldn't get past logarithms or whatever the hell that was i just couldn't do the math and <laughs> and i was like fuck this i'm gonna go play guitar so i just like started <laughs> i just i just started hell this, yeah. in class.
1: listen that's just what happens i can't do fractions and here we are so yeah it's just like we're
2: just artists we're <laughs> yeah. artists start a podcast
0: um, pick up a guitar it's like fuck yeah. math <laughs>
1: let's go
2: um and i'm still bad at it but like i've gotten a lot better at math um i like I'm a lot older now. So like, I was able to like, kind of go back and like relearn all the stuff that I neglected when I was in school. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I was, I was in freshman year, I was skipping class all the time because I wanted to practice guitar and I was like, man, I had such a big chip on my shoulder. Like the thing is being a guitar player in like an urban high school. Right. I was like literally one of two guitar players. And so there was no there was no rock influence there was no pop punk there was none of that so it was like all hip-hop and rb and i i fucking love like rap music and Absolutely, rb and stuff. yeah like like honestly like jay-z is my my favorite rapper of all time still <laughs> um like and so there wasn't anyone that i could like start a band with like i didn't have any like role models or guitar friends or anything like that um and so it wasn't until I got to college and 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 because of this, because I was all by myself, like my little guitar world, I thought I was so good. I <laughs> yeah. thought I was so good. <laughs> and I get to college, um, wasn't a music student yet, uh, but I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I should, should take some guitar lessons and like, like. know because like i I couldn't afford them in high school obviously we were too we were too broke um but then when i was in college i got a part-time job and uh, i was you know i got the part-time job just so i could get guitar lessons and i remember showing up to my first guitar lesson just like being having such a big head just like oh yeah i'm gonna knock this out of the water and then he comes and he's like can you play me like a major scale starting on d and i was like
1: <laughs> You're like I can play smoke on water for there yeah. like, I, like, I
2: can play Crazy Train. Yeah. Like, oh my god. <laughs> and he, and I was just like, I was just like, I walked. I like, I remember walking home from my guitar lesson that day, and I'm just like, I think I have to quit. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I was just so demoralized by like, by how little I knew. Um, that lasted for like an hour until I was like, No, I'm gonna be the fucking best player of all time. Yeah. So then. <laughs> so then that's when i started skipping class to practice and it went from like practicing like maybe 30 or 40 minutes a day to like seven hours a day like it literally jumped from oh, shit. and i wow. straight up like huh oh, i was about wow. To say, like yeah. wow that's like <laughs> it, it was dude i was well, the only reason why is because like at the time my my hero was was steve vai and steve vai one of the like the most innovative virtuoso guitar players of all time and like i listened to him religiously and like i just remember reading reading about him and like his interviews and stuff and he would practice 15 hours a day and i was like i don't know if i could do that but like, i could maybe do seven mm. and so and so like for like two two years straight i just all i did was practice for like two like seven eight hours a day like my fingers would blister like and all of, i was just trying to get i was trying to make up for all the lost years that I had been practicing in my bedroom um, because I realized at the time I was exposed to the music program at temple. I was exposed to the students that were like choosing to do music for a career. And I had it in my head that like, Oh, if you want to be an artist or a musician, you have to go to school for it and you have to practice (laughs) a lot. And like, and if you're good enough to get into a music student, then you are good enough to carry your guitar around campus. And I, and then, then I never, I never ever carried my guitar around campus because I was so (laughs) self-conscious. I was so self-conscious. I had such a, like a chip on my shoulder, dude, that like, I wouldn't let anyone know that I played the guitar unless I was good (laughs) enough to be a student. So like, I would just like, I practiced in my room for like, I swear to God, seven hours a day, seven, eight hours a day. And, um, uh, and I like, Stop hanging out with my friends. Like, I missed a year and a half of like friendship and college and like building and stuff like that because I was just so in so focused. Um, and then I started taking two lessons or lessons from two teachers at a time um, because I was taking one for rock and then one for jazz. Right. Um, and so, like, I was like, so, so the way that I split up my days was like three and a half hours of jazz, take a break, come back in, and three and a half hours of rock. Right. And I was just like doing that every day for like literally two years um and then I, and then when it was time to audition for school um i was like all right i'm gonna audition for the temple university music program and then i'm gonna audition for berkeley college of music in boston because uh, berkeley was like my dream school sure um and then i got in i got into both i was like i was like i was like, I was like so excited <laughs> i was like oh my god like i'm good enough to like play guitar like i'm good enough to be a real student or whatever <laughs> it's total bullshit, complete bullshit. Um, <laughs> complete bullshit <laughs> um but it was like the grad gratific- it was like the validation that i needed to keep going you know um and then i started carrying my guitar around school like i was like oh like i'm good enough to like have my guitar um and so like that was such a huge a huge chip on my shoulder that like i was able to prove to myself that like like i was good at something you know um and and i and i, and I it didn't really start with like Doing pop punk music at first, um, because no one no one did it that looked like <laughs> me. Like I was just like I can't do that type of music. Like no one's gonna take me seriously. Like I like no one's done it before. There isn't like a face that like has already paved the way for me. Mm. Um, so I was like, well, there's a lot of Asian jazz guitar players and there's a lot of Asian shredders. And so like maybe I'll just do that. And like I knew that I was going to do something in music. I just didn't know where I was gonna fit yet. Um, And I was basing it off of, like, who has already been successful before. And I was kind of point myself in that direction. Um, But then, like, I got into Berkeley and then I went to Berkeley. And then I saw, like, the kids that were there, the talent that was at that school. And I was like, fuck this. I can't be a guitar player. (laughs) It was so, it was, like, it was, like, it was crazy, like, demoralizing. Um, In a good way. Like, I, like, again, I'm one of those people where, like, I, I, I take, um, like, passion and, and drive from other people who are better than me because, like, I want to be good. Um, and so, like, that was a really, like, ultimately a good thing for me because I was really competitive, I guess. Mm. Um, and so I practiced more when I got there. But, like, I knew deep down that I was not going to be the next Steve Vai um, because the next Steve Vai had already existed and he was, like, seven years younger than me, you know? It was, <laughs> like, it was already too late for me. Sure. <laughs> I had to have been playing since I was in diapers. Yep. And a lot of those kids were. And I was like, that's fine. But like how, and then I just like, you know, I went through school, I coasted through school um, trying to like figure out who I was. Like I didn't, I didn't have an identity for myself. I didn't know where I was going. I just knew that like, I really liked music and I really liked the feeling of music. Like how it just like how it feels when you listen to it, but then also how it feels when you play it, which are two very completely different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yeah, I just like spent a couple of, I was just lost for the entire college program. I was doing what they were telling me to do, and it was kind of good because like when you're in school for, for music, um, you're just so busy doing the assignments, doing the programs like like you have to practice, but you have to practice what they tell you to practice, not what you want to practice. Like you have to like play in ensembles, but you have to play in the ensembles they tell you to play in, not what you want to play in, so that like, you actually don't have time to develop yourself as an artist when you're mm. in music school. Um, which was good because I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. So I was just like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I was doing it. And I was a really good student. I was like objectively a very, very good student. I was not a good artist, not a good musician, because I, I didn't know how to be. I was just I just knew how to be a student. Um, and then when I graduated, like when I graduated with my bachelor's, I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do like. Obviously, a music degree doesn't grant you a job anywhere. It's just like the, the least granting <laughs> type of document that you can get. You just get to keep, you know, doing <laughs> yeah, your you, whatever you're job you Yeah, It's just like, before. look, it looks so yeah, pretty, right? everybody. It's just, <laughs> it's just a piece of paper that says I can play guitar. Like, yeah. that's literally all it is. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, that's great. Spent four and a half years and thousands and thousands of dollars to be like, you can play scales. Um, so I didn't know what to do. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to more school. And so, and so I went to grad school for that. And, and, but I made like a vow to myself when I went to grad school that I was like, all right, if I go to grad school, then I'm gonna take this time and only focus on myself and develop myself as an artist or as a musician. Um, and it was cool because it was in Spain, it was abroad. I had never Ooh. been Ooh, like, I had never been abroad it. before. And it was extra weird being an Asian American in Spain at an american school hmm. speaking spanish it was so weird dude. <laughs> it was like i i just it was such a weird thing um but it was cool spain's freaking awesome it's also kind of lawless uh, <laughs> yes good so
1: fun fact i actually took a entire class about spain um uh, when i was in between um going to grad school and undergrad mm-hmm. and spain up until like the late 1800s was like super super governed by Catholicism religious yes. rule, mm-hmm. and as soon as that pretty much fell, they had like the repre- like hundreds of years <laughs> of repressed everything. Loose. Yes, and they just said, Let's go, everybody. Let and it's loose. still like that. That makes sense, so and much it is sense. insane to me because it's so interesting because it's still like that now. Like, there's ways yeah. that they live there. I guess you could kind of compare it to a lot more people know more about how Japan, how people yeah. act out, quote unquote, and that retrospect where you have more of like, you know, that Lolita, Harajuku type fashion. The people here would be like, that's kind of weird, but it's like for them, it's because they were so repressed yeah. culturally for so long. It's the same way with Spain. Mm. That's yeah. why they're so everywhere. Like in the 80s, their 80s was basically our like, um like 60, 70, like love child movies. Hey, spooky ghouls. Are you looking to get into the fun Halloween spirit? Want to help out a great charity? All while seeing rad Illinois bands rip a good old-fashioned house show? Well, we have a gig to tell you about to get you to do the Monster Mash or Mosh, probably. More fitting, you know? On October 22nd at 6.30 p.m., Chicago bands Highwire and bad planning headline The Haunted House. Honey Creek, Radar, and our friends in Wolf Road will also be there to wake the dead to get your bones rattling. It's five bucks at the door, COVID vax, or a negative test is required, and a mask must be worn for entry. You can find the gig at 1605 Nautilus Lane in Hanover Park, and you can find more info on the Facebook event page. The show benefits St. Jude's Research Hospital. Make sure to brush up on all the bands beforehand, too, on their Spotify and band camps. So hop in the back of your friend's Dragula and get ready for a blood-curdling good time.
2: That makes so much sense because like when i was there i remember and it was so weird too like i when i was there as a musician um i would go into music shops and like like check out guitars and stuff and um they like they don't let you play the guitars they don't let you touch anything Mm. like you're not allowed to because it's like really expensive there um because the stuff that they it's all imported right so it's really expensive to get it imported because all the custom fees and stuff and like they do not let you play the guitar and i'm just like here coming from america you just walking to a guitar center right. you can pick up any guitar <laughs> like oh, you can we know that. We yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody knows the story of guitar center it's just yeah so so like me like coming from that like i go in and i pick up a guitar and this guy looks at me like i'm fucking crazy he's like who the fuck like He's like, you better have 700 euros in your pocket right now. Oh, my wow. God. Like, it's like, is that crazy? And then I started playing Steve Vai stuff, right? Like, because I fucking love Steve Vai. Mm-hmm. And I started, like, rocking out with Steve Vai. And he's like, Steve Vai. And then he just let me play for out. He, like, he actually kept making me play. Wow. Be, it kept me, like, having, the, and, like, I have a lot of Steve Vai songs in my repertoire. So I just kept going. Because <laughs> um, all this, the seven hour You're like, how practicing. long can yeah. we keep going, everybody, <laughs> yeah. until they um, kick me out of here? Yeah it's and like luckily, a real
1: guitar center in the US anyway it's like just guitar yeah, saying, exactly. like yeah guys
2: <laughs> yeah um and so that's what happened and 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 so then he was explaining to me that that like it wasn't until like the 70s or or like 80s they heard no american music like Amer- american music was they never got it like it wasn't even on their like didn't have radio for it or anything mm. and so like when i was there like they were just discovering like like uh, like that, like the 70s, 80s metal shredders, and then also 70s and 80s like bebop jazz. So like that was like the current music for them. Like in 2017 <laughs> was stuff that was yeah. like hip here in the 1990s and 80s. And it was just so mind boggling to me. And they were so good too. Some of those musicians are <laughs> so phenomenal, um, but it was just so crazy. Like they were just like, like they were just so into like 80s rock that i was just like dude that was like 40 years ago for us but like that's cool (laughs) that's cool like we still listen to it here but yeah
0: like i imagine that the culture is just like like if you're hearing that all the time then you're creating music like making 80s type music in uh europe in in, like you know the 2000s 2020 like i know we had a lot of like 80s sounding bands uh or like the 1975, a shirt I'm currently wearing. It's like, yeah, it's uh, as my awesome friend band. put it, it's 80s processed through somebody who likes the 80s growing up in the 2000s or the 2010s. Yeah, it's it's so like, it's not really 80s, but it's also very influenced from those yeah. bands. It's so like
1: a like new version of 80s. Like, yeah. I cannot, for whatever the life of me, whenever I hear original 80s music, I don't like it and I have to turn it off. <laughs> but if I listen to something that's inspired, inspired by it, like, mm-hmm. I'll be like, I like this more. But I still will struggle to get to it. Like I liked After Laughter by Paramore, obviously very synthy, very eighties sounding. It took me a while to warm up to it because I was like, "There's something about it. No different. There's something about it. I don't like it." Um, But I mean, I like After Laughter now. But I'm like, it's I don't know. I just still can't listen to it. My dad puts on the eighties on eight sometimes when he's in my car, and I'm like, "Oh, can we? Yeah. Can we put put (laughs) old shit on?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like that's the thing too. Like I." there's like a like a but like i had like a playlist of 80 songs that like i used to put on because there's a lot of fundamental guitar stuff that i used to like learn from those songs but like i just i can't sit through them again either like even like remastered remastered versions and like remixed versions it's just like it doesn't hit the same way Mm -hmm. that modern music is does um yeah and i think it's just like we've just we've just been hit with such like good digital sounding music that is just really hard. To <laughs> our like... ears are just changing yeah, from Our ears
1: it. are developed.
2: Like, <laughs> if I hear... Sophisticated. Uh,
0: and I, I will say this to any old punk kids or whatever oh, no. that come at me, but, like, if you think that any punk bands, like, first records that were recorded on, I don't know, like... <laughs> an apple and a potato it's like i'm not wow all right i'm not gonna listen to this this sounds like shit and of course they go on to make better sounding records and those yeah, records yeah. influenced a lot of uh artists that then came from there and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah i'll listen to that i can't listen to this it, this literally sounds yeah. like shit i
1: remember i saw t- i saw a tiktok recently and um it was somebody critiquing oh no it was one I actually said in our discord last night and it was about uh the problematic bands people listen to. And if you if they're red flags for people. And one of them was Black Flag. And they're like, why oh. do people listen to this? This sounds like you just recorded it on like whatever and just put it out. And it's so grun- grainy and crunchy. And I'm like, yo, that's what it's supposed to sound.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My guy. And like now I think we look at it from a 2020 end or 2021 end. And we say, you know, there were a lot of people that didn't have access to a lot more than that. Like yep. once Garage Band and, and Max like came out to everybody and everybody started recording in their bedroom. It was still like the music is changing. And now that it's in more people's hands, it obviously goes from there, but I'm like, okay, these are guys that didn't learn how to play their instruments and recorded it on like a microphone, a couple rooms away. (laughs) Like there's also that sort of thing of like, yeah, it, it it became better. And obviously like democratizing the ability for everybody to get recording Uh, recording equipment and record it all for themselves in their bedroom. Like beautiful thing, great thing. Just for me personally, I can't listen to it.
2: And you know, that's a thing that, like, that I don't think people talk enough about is like the the that this generation and I guess the previous generation that first had access to like home recording software. Mm -hmm. It just it was like the internet. It was like it opened literally the floodgates for creativity. Mm-hmm. Whereas like before then you couldn't really get into a studio unless you were signed to a label, mm-hmm. right? Cause you couldn't afford to do you that can't afford
0: that to, to yeah. record the shitty yeah. things that you're working on at home with exactly. your acoustic guitar, yeah, with just, untuned right. strings. I'm speaking from experience. Go on. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're like, I'm sorry. I no. want to be the next front bottoms
0: and that's how we're sticking
1: to <laughs> it. Right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. So the only music you heard was music on the radio or music that was produced by a record label and they only signed acts that sounded a certain way because they knew mm-hmm. it would sell. So mm-hmm. it was just like a constant repetition of of like bands that sounded like other bands. And so we're going to sign them. We're going to give them the money to sign to like record music, et cetera, et cetera. They wouldn't risk it on artists that sound different because they couldn't tell if it was going to sell. So they yep. wouldn't sign artists like that. And then when home recording became a thing, like people just started fucking around on, on Dawes, and like SoundCloud came a thing, and like people started posting their music. And then like the the music industry was realized that like, Wow, our audience like they like to choose what music they want to listen to, mm-hmm. and like that's when you got like, Billie Eilish. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and like
0: yeah, like we just, like we definitely can draw a line from yeah Garage Band to yeah. Billie Eilish, and I think that's well, a beautiful the, thing.
1: The real cool thing is too is that now recently. Uh, me being the Barbie enthusiast, I am. So every year they have like a career of the year for Barbie and they'll pr- make like a special edition like Barbie doll. Uh-huh. And this year is because so many people are making like low five bedroom beats and like starting to like blow up on TikTok. I oh mean, like individual artists uh, that like their career of the year is like a music producer, which <laughs> I think is insane because i feel like in the past we have told so many people like you can't do anything in music it's not going to be lucrative and it's really hard to get into but because of everything with covid and people just wanting to do stuff on their own and like mm-hmm. needing to do stuff on their own people learn and develop those skills and now it's like actually more accessible for so many more people than it was yeah. prior
2: yes it's crazy and it's crazy too because like Not only are there just like ridiculously creative people making music, but there are ridiculously creative people collaborating, which creates something like like also crazy. This is like chemistry where it's like you don't know what chemicals are gonna react with other chemicals, but something crazy is gonna happen and it's literally happening all the time.
0: Uh, I love that about yeah. I love that it's finally in the rock scene too. I know it's still very like it's hard to get in there with like a lot of other influences, but, um, and this can kind of transition into our conversation about, um, Asian American influence, but it is like now that more people are coming into different genres from different backgrounds, different, uh, races and different, uh, places around the the United States and places around the world. It's like Mm -hmm. music can get a little bit more integrated and have those different influences. And personally, I think, sound a lot better like just overall i think that music is sounding better because more people uh, of different backgrounds are in it um and so yeah i did uh, we did talk a little bit about this before we started recording so i'm sorry to make you repeat yourself um but we were talking uh during rye fest you had you had messaged us because we had um action adventure on we had action adventure in a video go check it out on our youtube and also uh, we were t- catching them at Raya Fest, and Blake being uh, another singer in a pop punk band of Asian uh, descent. It's obviously that there are more, uh, m- there is more representation in the pop punk scene, in the rock scene. Uh, a story for you: I was at, I, I DJ emo night LA here in Chicago with a friend of mine, and I turned to uh, the the a friend of mine who runs at Chelsea, and I was like, I I'm just gonna say this i see an asian couple in the audience and like for me i always love to play music by non cisgender heterosexual white men you know it's like i just want to play other shit because like there's
2: not much of it
0: there's not much of it and that sucks and people don't ever request it and that also sucks the
1: issue is is that it's so much more modern now that like we could listen to it yeah but if we put it on like People at like an emo night LA are not yeah gonna they're go gonna run to the bar the same way. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you kind of have to be a little aggressive about it. Like, yo, you should check out this band. Like, if I play uh action adventure at emo night LA, which I I totally would do, just play like one song, uh, just to like celebrate them and and put them you know on people's radar. Like, people are like, oh, I like the song. Um, so I was I was looking for like a popular. Asian American artist and the only band I could think of like from that time was my American heart which is like the one and I remember seeing them at a warp tour once and being like oh this band is pretty good but never really checking them out and like I don't think it would really hit with many people I don't think it's on their radar where they're like oh shit I, I remember this song which is literally the only thing you play at emo nights say, like
1: I've never heard of that band
0: I see it's like, I
2: have heard of them I haven't checked them out yeah but I have heard of them I know the name
0: they did a cover on uh, uh, Punko's Crunk of the uh, California Love cover. Oh,
2: that might Ooh. be.
0: That's where yeah. it, uh, that's where I, like I've heard their only song. It's also a very good cover. Punk Goes Crunk is one of the, oh, nice. the best ones. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's like there aren't there haven't been that many. And when I look at like um, black representation, I can think of Gym Class Heroes. Like it immediately comes to mind uh women you know representation is obviously much more still not enough it's mostly like oh yeah mm. y'all sound like paramore but it's like yeah, yeah that's like paramore Aber Levine, yeah like- yeah Flyleaf, leaf yeah. <laughs> what i love recently is that um
1: i handle a lot of our press for the podcast so like i'll get press releases and a lot more like non-male like female or non-binary people's bands they'll send it and say like for fans of and they're not even saying paramore they're just saying any band whether it's like a male fronted band, female front or who, whatever fronted. And they're just going for it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Like, Screw that's it. Good. And I'm like, you know what? That's much better for me, because if I'm yeah. describing it to somebody and I say, oh, this band sounds like Paramore because there's a chick lead singer. And they're like, yo, this does not sound like. Paramore. Yeah, like, why would you tell me <laughs> that female fronted isn't a genre. Female
2: front is not a, exactly. genre. It's not a genre. It's not a genre. It's a descriptor, and that's great. But it's that doesn't dictate how somebody sounds. Yeah right? Like, Paramore I don't is stand not a genre. A... Yeah, they're fucking awesome, though. I love Paramore. Fucking love Paramore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but, okay, wait. Favorite favorite album or song? Uh, brand new eyes. All we know. Yes. All brand we know eyes.
1: is all we know is falling. Is Sorry,
0: Lizzie. It's album. brand new eyes. Brand I love
1: emergency um, and conspiracy are my favorite. Emergency
2: is really good. Right? Are my favorite song?
1: Paramore songs. Yeah. I am wow. OG Paramore.
2: I love uh brand new eyes, um, looking up. Mm-hmm best my favorite song on the album of all time the I closer
0: uh all i wanted though like yeah
2: blows it's,
1: my fucking that's mind back, that's back on the billboard charts apparently and people are like hey is everyone all right out there no <laughs> nope. we're not sure, sure. No. <laughs> no absolutely
0: yeah,
2: yeah. At this have, you been... no. Mm-hmm. have you no have you been here uh, no no Damn. one's good <laughs> no one's. yeah no i 1000 percent agree and we need, we need new paramour hayley <sighs> yeah. williams and i and Taylor about. And, and
1: Taylor York and, and not Jeremy cuz he's being a not weird SoundCloud rapper. Jeremy can't
0: make it. Um but I do want you to speak uh on just that representation in the scene because like I definitely feel like that is to me from what I've you know what we've done here seeing it on our end is like that's probably where there is the least amount of representation still in American music um that isn't, you know, like you know, there are, there are yeah. bands from 2005 that are, that are Asian, uh, uh, bands or Asian identifying bands. So like, you know, now that we're getting more of it out here, uh, in, in these years, like how, how does that make you feel? How does it make it for the scene now going forward?
2: It makes me feel a lot less crazy. <laughs> um, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm fighting against less odds. Um, I'm still waiting. So here's the thing, okay? So it's there's a couple of different, like, points, and I could literally talk about this forever. But the main thing is that um, I'm starting, like, it, it used to be where I would discover, like, one Asian-American artist, like, every couple of months or maybe once a year. I've discovered three in the past month, and that's just, like, exponentially more than ever. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously, Blake, um, being the lead singer of Action Adventure, who just got signed to Pure Noise, which is awesome mm-hmm. because it's so great to see... A band that's fronted by an asian american dude be signed to a label um especially one like pure noise um and then i just found another one the other day called ivy paint they're from florida and i just literally like dm'd the uh the lead singer sean um on instagram and he's freaking awesome so like i it's just really cool to see that it's happening more um the thing is that the one thing that i'm still missing is just a solo artist right and that I'm, I'm a solo artist only because like it's just a whole big thing but like i just like i write all my music i write all the parts i do i write everything i do all the story but like i literally do 100 of everything except for like holding the camera and like moving the clips and editing <laughs> and stuff so like so and and so it's hard because like i feel like if i don't have the back band of you know white dudes i won't I still won't be taken seriously because it doesn't feel like um, I feel like I'm a gamble or something, you mm. know what I mean? Like, like I don't have the reassurance that there are, like, American people, American white dudes behind me, like, oh, this is a band, and there's just one dude who's Asian American, so it's still okay. But, like, sometimes I feel like being a solo Asian American emo artist, like, like I'm not going to be looked at like Jaden or Youngblood or Machine Gun Kelly mm. because they're doing the same thing. Like, they're all solo artists doing this genre um but they don't need help right yeah um and so like that's like the part where i get like a little nervous where i'm just like am i still not gonna get taken seriously because i'm just a one like i'm a solo artist like i don't know um so and and like if you're in a band with like other dudes like they're balancing you out right so that's like that's kind of how i see it and it it could be very skewed like I, i could just be very biased or but um that's just like kind of like my my subconscious thinking sometimes um but I do want to point out that there, I think there is a logical explanation as to why there aren't a lot of Asian American artists in the scene. Not because, I mean, obviously besides the fact that we are a minority, so there's less of us. Um, but the other thing is that, and this is just from personal experience, so I don't know if this is true or if there's like statistical research on this. But uh, I'm a first generation American, which means that my parents came to the United States as immigrants, right? And generally, and we, we know this throughout history, that immigrants, when they come into the United States, especially if they're not white immigrants, um, they are very low class, impoverished, poor, et cetera, et cetera. So they settle in urban and low income areas because where, what are they going to do? They're going to work in factories. They're going to like they're going to be like like grinding their asses off to like make a living um, because the whole reason they came here was for a better life. Right. Mm-hmm. So. So. Um, so that means that their kids, me, and their first generation, like Asian Americans, grow up in these urban areas surrounded by other low-income, po- impoverished families, um, a lot of whom are Black, right, or Latino, and so a lot of them grow up listening to the same music, which is predominantly hip hop, rap, R and B, and sometimes pop. And so whenever I do see an Asian American artist, it's usually they're usually in the hip hop or like pop or R and B genre, right? Um, and like that's the thing. Like there are I, I can name a handful of Asian American artists who are in like the R and B and pop and hip hop mm. genre. Um and like shout out to Jin, who was one of the first Asian American rappers to ever get signed. One Freestyle Friday on MTV. I remember um, Jin? <laughs> yeah. See, you remember Jin? Yeah, I and remember Jin. The thing is, he got <laughs> dropped by his label because they didn't because they wanted him to sing. Uh, they wanted him to like rap about being Chinese American, and mm. he just wanted to rap. And and they dropped him because of that. Or I don't know if he got dropped, but like it was like a huge thing. And mm. he fell off because they wouldn't support him because they were trying to like tokenize him. Um, and so like that sucked. And, and so like, and that's just kind of the, it's like historically how Asian Americans have been treated in the music industry. It's like, you're a token, like your audience is only going to be Asian American people. So you're going to have to make songs about being Asian American. And so that's like really frustrating. Um, And so even when like us first generation Americans do find success in the music industry, it's usually like, it's like, you know it's usually backfired because of other people getting involved telling us like this is not what people want to hear or this is not what people want to see or Mm -hmm. whatever like that and so like that's where it's frustrating and so it's very rare to find people who do pop punk alternative like rock music that are asian-american because a lot of them don't grow up listening to that yeah it's just a really important one's leaving (laughs) it was just a very important it was a very important, <laughs> record. Uh, it was a very important
0: record that's worse than buffalo sauce yeah. what? I don't like buffalo sauce I'm sorry that's a hot take do another, <laughs> do
1: another hey club word. our new episode of spicy takes with our besties action adventure is out now on our youtube channel we're excited to say that for this series Chicago based suit, sayer hot sauce is our sponsor In this episode, we feature Action Adventure's Poser Poison Hot Sauce, which includes hints of Mexican chocolate and scorpion pepper. It's sold out online, but snag a ticket to see them IRL to get a bottle of your own purple sauce. You can also obsessively refresh SootsayerHotsauce.com until it comes back in stock on their site. While you're there, scoop up some other spicy sauces. Our next guest will include friends like Rematch, OK Cool, and more to be announced. So make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, too, at youtube.com slash emo social club. Thanks again to our friends at Sootsayer Hot Sauce. I believe it's that. And I know recently um, our friend Amanda Tran, who's in In the Morning, she is also an Asian-American um, like pop punk act. And I remember she tweeted out a few weeks ago, oh, we should be looking into like something similarly, like kind of like a socioeconomical like analysis of how many, you know, first generation kids of immigrants um, had to start their type of like music career later because their families expected (laughs) them to do a lot more. Yep um beforehand
2: yeah
1: and and i'm like that's a really interesting perspective because and then i saw a lot of other um you know other minorities as well just saying like yes i had to do this like i'm first generation college student um so like i had to do a lot of different stuff that like maybe i didn't really want to do the first time because like i didn't know what i was doing yes i have to set a precedent for like all my siblings the rest of everyone else in my family um and to look at that and then be like oh man i could have done xyz but i couldn't because i didn't have that privilege
2: dude and i think that's the biggest
1: thing along with that is that like you need to have that type of privilege and being somebody who's first generation pretty uh, immigrant student whatever it may be you have to put aside your own personal honestly goals and like mindset and sometimes even like your own like personal convictions to make sure that you're setting a better precedent and also like making those in your family like proud of you and stick by you because like you feel you have a moral obligation yeah and i think that's just in general something that has been talked about widely but i think when it comes to music it's not discussed as much because especially like pop punk and emo again everybody's like a white dude or a white individual who has not had to experience those struggles to that extent and when you bring it in One, you create a better community of people who just understand you better. But two, it also opens up bigger dialogue that has never really been discussed in this scene. And it makes people uncomfortable, which is good because then it makes them more receptive (laughs) to those struggles of everybody else that they've never had to experience before.
2: You opened up a jar. (laughs) You opened up a can because... Let me tell you, okay, so that's something that I haven't, like, actually had to think about for a very long time because just, I'm just, like, so I get in such a, a routine, right? So everything to me at this point is normalized. Sometimes I am woken up by the fact that I definitely have to work, and I mentioned this before, so much harder than other people to achieve the same level of results or, like, the same level of recognition or whatever it may be. Part of that is because of just literally the way I look, um, and a lot of it has to do with, like you said, the way that I was raised and the expectations that are, are that are placed on first generation, anything's really, um, and especially uh, people of color and in and, and Asian Americans. Um, like, and, and another thing about Asian Americans, and which I'm sure you know, is that the way that we're raised, like with an Eastern, like mindset, it's like family comes first, right? um so in my family it's parents are like are treated above all like they're placed above all everything you do or say you need your parents approval you need like and you have and they are the end goal like you have at the end of the like they expect you when they're unable to work they expect you to take care of them and like that's like like Elders are respected above all else, et cetera, et cetera, which is completely conflicting with the American mindset. Yeah. right. It's
1: because very collectivist in nature because I'm exactly. I'm Mexican and that's how a
2: yeah. lot, like one yeah. side of my
1: family is, it's very like that. The other side, and it's very,
2: yes. it's very strange. It's very clashing. It's super clashing. And so it's like, and it's hard too, because like, sometimes I want to like, I want to like fault, fault. Sometimes I want to like, like, get mad uh, at my parents i'm just like like you brought me here like this is the way that i am like i'm an american like i was raised american <laughs> like i want to go out and do my dreams i want to like be a capitalist whatever oh, <laughs> eat, the rich. eat the rich i know i know eat. but like but we are raised with a capitalist mindset because we're in america so it's like everything's about you it's about making money it's about being successful for yourself and then putting your parents in retirement homes when they're ready like you know what i mean so so it's just like it's this constant battle between like like me be, like having the mindset ingrained from a very young age of like you got to take care of your parents because like they came here and like literally sacrificed everything for you to be here and then i'm like that's great and i want to do that but i can't i can't be successful and do that at the same time it's like like am i literally only raised to take care of you because then what did you come here for then i'm not going to be successful in the thing that that you that you brought me here to do you know and so that's really conflicting and so like i've had to like balance that my entire life like literally i've been doing my parents taxes since i was 14. um (laughs) damn i've been doing it you know
1: math you know math
2: yeah i know (laughs) i know how to copy numbers into boxes there Um, we go
1: that's more uh, than me i take it to somebody
2: (laughs) i know thank god for like (laughs) like TurboTax at this point yeah but but straight up, like, that's what, like, I've been, I've been having to do that for, like, for my parents, like, stuff like that for my whole life. Like, I remember, I remember back in college, like, my mom, my parents were divorced. Um, and that's another thing, too. Um, when you have a family that comes from a different set of marital standards, like, there was an arranged marriage there. I don't want to say that they didn't love each other. They didn't. There wasn't like love at first sight. It was kind of like this is you are in a new country. This is your match because he's also Cambodian. You're Cambodian. You're not related to each other. So there you go. And so uh, me and my siblings were born. um, And then the thing that I've started to notice, especially with like some of my family members, and this is a little bit gossipy, but like people will like 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 Asian American (laughs) couples or families will come to the United States and realize how much more freedom. Asian American women have, and they realize that they don't have to stay with their husbands and they, and then they get divorced Mm. or whatever it is. Um, it's just like, you come to the United States and you realize like, there's more freedom to like, you know, be a woman. And, um, and so like, I want to say that's probably partly what happened with my parents. Like they divorced when I was like 10 or 12 or so. Um, and it was just like, my mom has never been alone ever in her entire life. She was brought here when she was like 10 years old. Um, She didn't finish high school. uh, So like there was always people taking care of her. And so she's never had the chance to live on her own. And so when she went through this divorce, she was with another guy. Um, I thought he was a nice dude or whatever, but then that didn't work out either. And I remember being in Spain and they had bought a house together. They weren't even married yet. Like this was my, my mom's fiance, I guess at the time. And she, like, they, it just didn't work out. And I had to sell the house for them. I had to sell wow. their house. I had to list their house. Oh, my God. Wow. While I was in Spain. Like, I was having <laughs> phone calls, like, internationally with a mortgage <laughs> broker. Like, because my mom just couldn't read documents. She couldn't. She could barely, like, communicate, like, like she can speak English she can get by, but like she doesn't know terms, right? Like mm-hmm. she knows like really like slang American English. Okay. Like, yeah. So like, like she's like, she can definitely communicate with you, but like she couldn't handle a conversation like that. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like having to do this on the phone, like literally in Spain, six hour time difference, like me, <laughs> like juggling graduate school in a different country in a language that I don't understand selling my mom's house at home figuring out her living situation and like those are the type of things that I've always had to do and and still doing um, while working a full-time job while trying to maintain like a, like my health to stay my keep myself alive trying to do a music career at like the extent that I'm doing it um, going broke because of it like you know and then of course there's like my I have a full life here like I have a girlfriend and I have pets and you know what I mean and it's just like <laughs> And that this is like the kind of stuff that we have to do. And because like, this is just like what we have to do. We just have to, we just have to work this much harder to like reach that status quo that like a lot of people really don't have to do. And I, and I really wonder sometimes, like if people like us didn't have to work so hard, if like we would actually like excel or not, you know? Hmm. So that's just like always in the back of my head. Sorry, we that's are... a tangent. No, it's fine. Uh,
1: no. We do, it, it We is... should
2: talk about your
0: music, too. I yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I actually love these conversations being, um, you know, a piece of shit white boy from the suburbs. It's like, oh, it's dude. nice to, it's, it's like good to like give the stage for this kind of stuff and just be like, hey, there isn't this representation. These are the stories of people like why there might not be as much representation. So I do think it's an important conversation. And certainly there are not enough voices being heard on it so i i love that we go on these tangents and talk about all stuff but i just do want to promote you
1: (laughs) yeah i think also too though like a lot of that can go into your music and what you put into it Mm -hmm. so could you tell us about some of the influences especially in like your most recent singles use me all along that came out and also the other singles that you've worked on with chris from um Giving dance with
2: yeah so okay so Oh, how do I start with that? Okay, so so here's the th- last year i I dropped my album last year, like it was a self-produced album, Songs of Recovery. Um, and that album was all about the brain tumor that I had. Um, and there's still like material about that that is just in the ether somewhere. But that I dropped that last year, and that was happening at a time where I was working full time um <laughs> i was going to school again uh this is not so i went to so i, I had now i have two master's degrees um flex damn <laughs> don't do it i don't recommend it. um uh, the first the first was performance like i was a guitar player i got a performance master, master's in performance at berkeley college of music and then the second master's degree was in music technology at nyu because you can't get a job with a performance degree. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me get a music tech degree that's a technical degree that's still in the realm of music. And maybe I can go teach audio production somewhere. Um, and like, I, I'm a decent producer and engineer. So like, I, and I self produce all of my stuff up until working with Chris. And uh, so like, but I, I was doing songs recovery while working a full-time job doing this NYU program, which was a lot more intense than a performance degree. It was a lot more intense than I thought it was going to be um and then i was producing two bands on the side and um so it was just a lot and by the time that i was like finishing mixing and mastering the album i was just like so jaded by the music and i wasn't finding joy in the music um and i had been working on this album for so long that like i just couldn't tell what was good or not good anymore um and then after i dropped the album i was just like i never ever want to self-produce a music like an album ever again I just like I never even want to mix again like it was just like and I used to love mixing um, I lost so much confidence in my my like mixing abilities after dropping that record because um, I was just so jaded and and then i I was still writing music obviously during all this because I knew that as soon as I dropped this I'd have to start writing more music and so I was writing music and I had a couple of songs that were different sounding that I thought might might not fit on this album and the first one was signing out which was um the one that I dropped in may and that one's about like is it about, that was about the night that i found out that i had a brain tumor um and it didn't sound super pop punk it, it was just like a lot of a little bit more post-hardcore and and i was just like i don't want to mix this but this is like a really good song (laughs) and so I was like this has to get out somehow and so I was just like thinking about that specific song and I was like who would like do I know any producers and I couldn't think of anyone that I knew like personally so I was like maybe I should just like look up to some of the bands that I listen to and see if any of those people are approachable and um, I reached out to John Feldman no response obviously Um, Mm. Johnny Feldman I got my Um... thoughts but go on (laughs) 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 right Um uh and then and then I reached out to Chris and I emailed him and I was like he's not going to respond to me at all. And then like a week and a half later he was like, "Hey, this is this is kind of dope. I I like it. Here are my rates." And I was like, "Oh my god, he responded to me." <laughs> and like I was like, this guy responded to me. I have to do it. I have to do mm-hmm. it. Um and so I was like so then I spent time working on new material to bring to him. Um one being Runs on Guilt, which is also a little bit more post hardcore sounding. And then And then I knew that I wanted to do three songs with him, Um, so I did the first two signing out with and runs on Gail. Like I knew I was going to do those two when I went with went to him Uh, because he lives in Portland, so I had to fly out to Portland to do it. Mm. So like this was like an endeavor. Like I knew that if I was going to go, like this has to be like the trajectory. Like, and I knew that working with him there would that would guarantee some name recognition, Um, and so I decided to do it. And then I wrote two other songs. Um, one was used to me and the other was another song that's unreleased. Um, and I was only gonna do three songs. So I had to pick one. So I sent him both of the demos and he was like, I really like used me, but it wasn't called use me at the time. I think it was like, literally was like a number. It was like number 14 or something. Um, <laughs> <Work> <laughs> it gets really confusing. It gets yeah. really confusing. Like with the numbers. <laughs> um, but it, he picked that song and I was like, really, this is like a throwaway track. And then. I get there, like we show up and he was like, I'm really excited about this one. So I get into the studio and we start tracking it. And like by the end of the song, like by the time that it was finished, I was like, oh, this is the best one. Like this is <laughs> the best one. And that happened recently too, because I was, I was just in Portland finishing the album like that these songs are gonna be on. So we just did like six more songs. Um, and there was another track that was a throwaway track that I was like, let's just do this one because I need like fluff for the album. I guess it's the best one. It's the best one. <laughs> and so, so, so I'm really excited because there's better music coming. There's better music coming, <laughs> um, and it's always good. That's always a really good feeling because I'm always afraid that I'm just gonna hit a wall and never like mm. have better music coming. But if I can like keep myself in like interested in my own music by having at least one better song in my back pocket every single time I drop one then like, I know that like, I, I can keep going, you know, um, sorry. Did you want to talk about influences or just the story?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you want to say like, I mean, dance Gavin dance I absolutely love dance Gavin dance oh I love Will yeah. Swan's guitar I love uh Tilly and singing
2: wheelies man
0: yeah so are He's there gonna be Wheedly Wheedlies on your Weedleys. on your oh future song yeah
2: yeah yeah that's why I went to Chris too because I knew that he could like he can make that sound happen yeah <laughs> um but dude I, I haven't met Will but he is just on a completely different level of yeah just, just genius guitar writing like no one sounds like him yep um and I love that um have him drop so a PC lick on there, you know, just yeah, like, hey, Will, yeah. send some. And uh, I love guitars. I love yeah. guitars. Like, like I'm, I'm such a guitar boy. Yeah. So, and like, I love Polyphia so much. Mm-hmm. Like everything that Tim Henson does is just pure gold. Um, so like, I do have a lot of a lot of influence from like guitar music, um, and like some stuff is inspired by like polyphia slash Chan Math Rocky stuff, mm-hmm. um, but like. I've really been, I think this year, the people that, the artists that have had the most influence on me this year, it's probably, I want to say Nothing Nowhere, Meet Me at the altar. Absolutely. Um, God, I love Nothing Nowhere so much. (laughs) So fucking good. Um,
1: Nothing Nowhere official stand club here Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the Switch stream. I
2: I haven't met a single person who isn't a stand for, like I've never met anyone who doesn't like a stand. Listen,
1: if somebody at this point says that they dislike Nothing Nowhere, I don't know if I uh, yeah. Could
2: trust what's wrong, them. With what's mm-hmm. wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> I've listened to like all of his stuff, and I also like love his like podcast that he's done, and like just like listening to him as an artist, like talking about mental health because mm. it's like such a serious thing for him, which is really good because like I think I think one of the podcasts that he was talking about, he was like he's still living in Vermont, right? Mm. Um, he hasn't moved to LA, which he's like I could and I probably should. If I really wanted to take my career to the next level. And he's like, but I would probably have a mental breakdown. Mm. And he's like, I need this nature. I need like the woods. And I was like, dude, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, like, like it's we're past the point of needing to be in the right spot at the right mm-hmm. time now because of the internet. Um, and so like that's just like so respectable. Like I respect that so much. Doesn't he make his um, own like maple syrup too? <laughs> yeah, he oh does he does a bunch of like crazy, like yeah. really nothing obscure nowhere, things. maple syrup. Yeah. yeah. Review yeah, for he's the like pod. <laughs> really interesting, like, like obscure things. Mm-hmm. Um, which is awesome. And so yeah, he's like been one of my favorite, favorite artists this year. Um, Meet Me at the altar. Love everything that I did at uh, everything that they do. I love like the way that they're like the direction that they're taking Easy Core in. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. So a lot of my songs, so like some of these songs are pretty easy core heavy hell yeah and they're inspired by them bring um, it back bring it oh back. oh my god dude <laughs> i i have a lot of pop punk songs that i haven't released so like i i this this year has been very emo mm. right um Vibes. and that's fine because we're, we're should in the be. <laughs> it absolutely but should um be. <laughs> but but like i i was writing this album and i was like man i got like five or six emo songs on here like let me get some pop punk in here and so like i started tr- i started running pop punk and um, but this is after I've been listening to Meet Me at the Altar in like this new like this new punk wave. And like some of this stuff is good. Some of this stuff is good. <laughs> hey. so, so like I got some easy quick coming on along the way. It's a lot more pop punk. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But yeah, those two for sure like are always on my and also Stan Atlantic. I ha- I didn't mm. discover them before this year. I um, actually didn't hear about them until they did that song with Nothing Nowhere, yep. Death Wish. <laughs> Death Wish is probably the most spun song on my Spotify all year. Hmm. It's it's an absolute masterpiece in my opinion. It's hmm. one of the like the best songs that came out this year. Um, so I love that sound, and so yeah, those those are the artists that have heavily influenced this album. I guess.
1: Well, when can we expect this new album then?
2: <laughs> okay, so the thing is that it's no longer the best method to just drop an album at least like someone with my level right. of like mm-hmm. with my level of like so i have to release everything as a single so i'm just gonna have to like roll out singles and then at the end of it i'll compile it all together but the thing is that i still wrote it with an album in mind mm-hmm. so like i still wrote the songs and i had selected the songs thinking about how is this going to end up as a complete package i'm just going to release them song by song um and so use me just drop like I guess two weeks ago, two weeks ago, tomorrow, Friday is going to be a lyric video drop. And then two oh, yeah. weeks from that, October 8th is the music video. And this one's kind of dope because it's really <laughs> like, it's really spooky horror theme. Ooh, love yes. It. Uh, yes. It's like perfect for Halloween. And it's got a lot of inspiration from The Haunting of Hill House and Insidious and Fantastic. The Shining. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, there's some cool stuff. And dude, the best story about this is that when we shot this, right? So... So I I I have been like going on this this release schedule plan of dropping a single and then two weeks later the lyric and then the two weeks later the music video and I'm gonna do this for every single song, Perfect. which is a lot. It's a, yeah, lot. It's a lot. I've <laughs> never done this this many music videos before. Everyone's um, gonna
1: have to know all the lyrics though, because they're gonna yeah. have no excuse. Yep. Yeah. No excuse. Yeah.
2: That's why I drop a lyric video. Yeah. Um <laughs> and so and so it's been like I thought that this, because I finished, I finished my grad program at NYU, I thought that this, this year was going to be a lot easier for me because I wasn't doing four extra things. I stopped producing other bands, I stopped working part-time jobs, I'm just doing my full-time job, which is like, like an ordinary nine-to-five job, um, and doing this. I'm way busier than I've ever been. Because of the the sheer level of production that these music videos take. Mm-hmm. Like it's and we're getting really good at them. Like I'm starting to get really <laughs> good at music videos. And yep. I, and they're my favorite part because I am like a total film like geek. I love mm-hmm. movies, right? Um, which started during the pandemic because I would just get high and watch movies. Sure. Um, <laughs> I I've seen Interstellar so many times this year.
1: Oh my god. Um, I still haven't I watched
2: like, it and I watched a video. Okay, so yeah,
1: yeah. I've yeah. never seen it, but I've seen so many weird takes on it. And I'm like what is going on with everybody yeah. in this movie? Yeah.
2: It's so good. I don't know if it's like if it's your thing, if it's like a if you're like oh, it'll be sci-fi. My thing. It'll be my oh. thing. Yeah. Dude. Watch it. Watch it. Brian, <laughs> um, I'm
1: coming over. And we're watching right. it. Because the only time I can watch anything yeah. is when it's, we're hanging out.
2: <laughs> you you will feel every single feeling possible. Like every single human emotion possible. <sighs> you will feel that feeling. You, you if you can cry, if you cry watching movies, you will cry watching this movie several times. Okay. Um <laughs> I'll prepare and, myself for that. <laughs> and 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 you'll think about it for days. Ugh. You'll think about it for days. Um, it is my ultimate escapism movie, of, okay. for sure. Um, so it was really good for me during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, sorry. So anyways, I got, uh, so these videos are like... We did three music videos this year. We just finished this one, and we got really good at them. Um, I got really good at storyboarding music videos this year. So, like, whenever I i don't like to do easy videos or easy i i don't like to do just like one performance shot in mm-hmm. like a white cycle around. like i think that's so boring to yep. me so like and I, I love to tell stories so like when i make my music videos i gotta make sure like everything is really tight there's like a sonic message and there's like a story that's being told so i love to combine like narrative elements with like really cool performance shots and so There, it's just a really, really heavy production effort. Um, and we have a really small team because I'm broke as hell. So, like, (laughs) it's just like me and like three other people. So, Mm -hmm. it's like it's a lot. Um, and, uh, and like we're all involved in every step of the process. Like, my video director, Mike, is an absolute G. Like, he we have spent like hundreds of hours this year editing videos together. Um, just like last night, like, last night we were we edited. I think last night at 3 a.m. marked our 17th hour editing this one video, and we still have like a couple more hours of edits. Yeah. Um, but so this video, so the okay, so sorry, it's a really long story, (laughs) but it's 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 rewarding, I promise. Uh, Yeah, no, type the video. So okay, so what happened was, in January was when I went to Portland for the first time to record with Chris Crummett. Right. Um, I dropped Songs of Recovery in November of last year. And then I immediately started working on new music. Um, I I had booked uh, a studio session with Chris like seven months in advance. So I had been waiting for the session before I even dropped the album, right? Mm. So like I was I wasn't like at this point like I was even before the album dropped, Songs of Recovery. I was already thinking about next year. Like I was already thinking about these next couple of songs. And so in January we went to Portland. We recorded all three songs. I had everything done, and then. The month after, in February, we were going up to Vermont for a snowboarding trip because I love snowboarding. Um, It's like my new hobby ever since music stopped becoming a hobby and became a job. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a pro tip for any artist. Like If you're going to do music (laughs) as a career, find another hobby. Have something for yourself. Yeah, you got to have something that's not music related. That Uh, you
1: can't monetize off of. I've seen this so much. Yes. And yes. I think the only thing that I can do now is just read. Because I uh, my brain fine. is like, I have to do that. I'm like, reading. Can't you like reading. reading? I love fantasy. <laughs> I am, I'm a big uh, person in, like, fairies and vampires. Mm. Like, for books.
2: Have you ever read The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss? No. I will always recommend that book to people. It's not for everyone. Um, but it's the it's the series is called the king killer chronicles um and Ooh, it's I like it's that. a very 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 fresh take on the fantasy genre um cuz it's not like based in lord of the ring culture and it's not based in harry potter culture it's like a completely fresh take of like it's a completely different world um and the world building in this book is so incredible the writing style is so incredibly poetic um a lot of actually a lot of my lyrics are inspired because of reading his books like Mm. this like some of his like phrasing has like come up in my writing um i highly recommend it the first like hundred pages of the first book is kind of tough to get through but once you get through that part and you get into the main part of the story you you won't be able to put it down and this it's one of those types of books that it's more rewarding on the second and third read Um, okay yeah so Anyways, that was a plug for, for, for Patrick. <laughs> Alice is We're also for books. in the chat like going off about <laughs> Emo it. Emo Social so Bookstream Club, guys.
0: <laughs> hey, listener, guess what? We got merch in our store. EmoSocialClub.com slash merch. You can check it out now. We got some tank tops for the summer. Uh, we got a new new metal logo. A new new metal logo. Go, go, go. And it's, uh, it's kind of a 90s new metal vibe. That also comes in a tank top. And we got a tank top. It says sun's out, stay inside, which, you know, you're emo. You don't go out in the sun. It's bright and it's hot. Emosocialclub.com slash store. Check them out. Get them. All purchases go to help us just make more merch, get more cool stuff. You're helping us out. We're helping you out. Going off your sleeves, going off your arms. If you don't want sleeves, check it out. Emosocialclub.com slash store
2: um but okay so february we were in vermont to go snowboarding um and we booked an airbnb in vermont that i thought it was like a really cool house that we just oh my gosh i probably shouldn't say this um i don't know if i was allowed to shoot a music video there but i did um that's how you you do it (laughs) they don't know they don't know are they they gonna really follow you so so, okay i don't know but i I i think that this house is kind of famous Um, In Vermont anyways, because when I got there, I thought it was dope because it was like, it's like this really like large wooden house and it was really big, really, really high ceilings. There was like three floors and it was a very open type of house. So like you could be on the third floor and you could see all the way down to the first floor and it's just like really beautiful wood and stuff like that. And on the third floor, there was like this little terrace hallway that led to this nook in the corner of the the third floor whatever terrace um and it wasn't a terrace what are those things you know like those the apartments loft thing? lofts yeah it was like a there third floor loft it was the entire third floor was like a loft right and you could see all the way down at the end of one loft was these like pull out it was like these like sofas and like a um two sofas that were facing each other that people could sleep on and then there was like a narrow walkway that led to the other side of the loft and there was a desk and the bookshelf and i thought it was kind of odd because the bookshelf was flush against the wall like Mm -hmm. it wasn't a bookshelf that like was like somebody bought and put there it was built into the wall and it wasn't until the second day that I just pushed on the bookshelf and it opened. Holy shit. And there was a hidden oh room. Oh my God. I a... would
1: lose my goddamn Holy mind. Shit.
2: There was a fucking hidden room in this like Airbnb. It was not advertised. It was not in the <laughs> listing. There was no mention of it whatsoever. Everybody I remember...
1: find the secret yeah, Airbnb sure. <laughs> I hidden remember, room.
2: I remember like scouring the listing to see if it was there like looking over the notes from the owner like don't go into like there was nothing nothing no mention of it whatsoever and all that was behind it was just a room a beanbag chair like a painting of like a flower and then a bathroom right so it was it was okay. obviously like meant to be like used like because there was a bathroom there so like we called it the dookie dungeon um <laughs> <laughs> it was the dookie dungeon so it was like if you have to take a <laughs> shit go go upstairs to the third floor and up there, you you so, can go
1: do that. And uh, the rest afterwards, and yeah, then you're good yeah. to go. We're just like oh, putting god.
2: a book in there from the bookshelf. Um, oh my god! And so, so we found this on the second day, and and here's the thing: when I wa- when I first stepped into the house before I found the secret room or whatever, I I like. We were, I was talking to Mike, my theater director, about possibly coming up to do a photo shoot. Like, cause, like, oh, this is like a really beautiful location. And I was, I was on a real nothing-nowhere kick. So I was like, he lives Mm -hmm. in Vermont. Like, let's get that nothing-nowhere outside snow aesthetic. Um, And then I walked into the room and I called them back. I was like, dude, you have to bring your gear. I was like, (laughs) we're shooting a video here. I don't know what we're gonna do, but you're gonna bring your shit and we're gonna film. So Homeboy drove seven straight fucking hours that night with, with Damn. Phil, his other like second camera hand to this place. I was FaceTiming him as I was like, dude, you have to come, like, look at this place. <laughs> and, so, and so he like he's like, all right, I'm packing my shit. So he packed the shit in his car and drove seven hours to Vermont <clears throat> to to this house. And then on his way up driving was when I found the room. And I was like, Oh my God, we're gonna do a haunted house music video. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so I was like, bring your fog, bring your haze, bring your lights, like all this stuff. And so we started shooting. So it it was rough, dude. It was like it was supposed to be a vacation for me to relax and it ended up being the least relaxing moment. Of course. Of, <laughs> one of the least relaxing moments. Cause like cause straight because like when you when you go snowboarding up like in those mountains, like there are the mountains aren't lit. So they close really early. Mm. Like they close at sundown. And sundown in the winter is like four o'clock, yep. especially on the mountains. So you have to be up on the mountain by seven o'clock or eight o'clock if you want to get any like good snowboarding time. And so we were up at, like, 7 a.m. every day back at 4. This is, like, me after, like, 10 hours of snowboarding and then seven more hours of shooting. So, like, it was just I was dying at the end of, like, the second day, and we still had (laughs) two more days of shooting. So, like, it was rough. It was really, really rough. Um, and, And this was before we had our, like, routine for music videos established. Like, we didn't establish our music video filming routine until, like, until we recorded signing out the music video for Signing Out. Um, And so we were just filming stuff and we were just like coming, like uh, thinking of ideas off the cuff. And we're just like, oh, this would be a really cool shot. Let's just do this. And so like, we came up with the idea um, because my girlfriend was with me and she's a makeup artist. So luckily she had her stuff. Well, she didn't have all of her stuff. She had to improvise, but like, we're like, okay, Haunted House, what is the song that we're gonna do this for? It ended up being Used Me, my favorite one. And I was like, okay, well, how can we fit a Haunted House theme for this song, like lyrically. And I was like, oh, I'm getting haunted by the ghost of my ex. Easy. Oh. <laughs> and so and so, and so, JoJo, like, like, we're like, okay, you have to like ghost makeup, like gothic ghost. Like think of like Helena from mm-hmm. like My Chemical Romance. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so like, so then Mike, while I was snowboarding, Mike drove like literally two hours to, cause we were in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, he drove to the nearest mall, I think in Burlington And he like it was so funny he was literally like lingerie shopping for my girlfriend um (laughs) and had no idea what to get her or anything so he got like a bunch of different things and brought it back um one thing fit perfectly well so we were lucky um and so like yeah we just like had her do makeup and like we were just doing all these shots and we're like oh wouldn't it be really cool if she was a ghost and and so she's hidden all over this music video like like If it's one of those videos that you can watch like six times and find her hidden in the shot somewhere every time. It's very like Hill House. That's exactly what I wanted. Right. So like and this is like after I watched Hill House again. Um, And so I just wanted to make sure that like she could. So we like we pop her in like little places every now and then. Um, And so there's a lot of like 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 that. And then obviously I had to throw in the hidden room in the music Mm -hmm. video. So so that I mean, that was the fuel for the entire thing. So, yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff, and I'm really excited about this one. It should be finished tomorrow, so. Cool. Well,
0: let's go ahead and throw your plugs out here. Uh, We will wrap up the recording of the podcast, talk with chat a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, where can everybody find you on the Internet? Where can everybody, uh, you know, check out the music and the video and all that good stuff?
2: Okay, so uh, on the Internet, you can just on Instagram and TikTok – Uh, You can find me at Darrow underscore C, D-A-R-R-O underscore C. Um, I do have a website. It's darrowchia.com, D-A-R-R-O-C-H-E-A.com. I don't really use it yet much. I know a lot of people don't (laughs) use websites, but it exists. Um, Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, Apple Music. You can literally just search Darrow. I'm the only Asian person on the platform (laughs) that has that name. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, and so use me lyric video drops tomorrow on the 24th right today's the 23rd and yes. then october 8th is the release date for this spooky music video for used me and uh we put a lot of work into this and i hope that you guys can enjoy it oh yeah because i certainly do
0: uh the crew is definitely into spooky stuff, so I think yeah. that it will, it'll, be, it'll find out it home here. I'll send here. you a sneak
2: peek. I'll send you a sneak peek. Ooh, yes. Ooh, yeah. Ooh
0: yeah. I like that for us. Yeah. Uh, not for anybody. <laughs> for <China us>. <laughs> <laughs> not for anybody listening. It's like, sorry.
1: We, we've we gotten a few sneak peeks, and everyone's like, Oh, can I listen? No. Sorry, <laughs> sorry yes. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I'll yeah. I'll send it to you. Uh, well, thank you, Darrow, for joining us on the pod. Thank you for
2: uh, having me. This uh, was great. This is so yeah. good. It's so
0: much fun great. talking to you thank you for checking out this episode of the emo social club podcast again if you enjoyed this please leave us a review just let us know you liked it uh just let say nice things. Know. yeah let
1: yeah. Darrow know you you enjoy him
0: yeah let Darrow know you enjoy uh hearing his voice on our podcast uh that's that's the best way to promote both of us us him together all the in symbiotic relationship that we all live in algorithms be damned. Oh God. <laughs> we will be back next Monday with another episode. You can also catch us over on Emo Social Club when we are next streaming. Uh, but we don't know when that is. So from all of us here at the Emo Social Club podcast, I'm Brian.
1: And I'm Lizzie. Bye! Good job.
0: Join us over here. I don't fucking know when, though. <laughs> Hey, we're going to be doing this thing. Oh, that's cool. When? I don't know.
1: It's like a rave. Like, that's how you find out about stuff. You're just like, hey, when is it? I don't know, but find out when it happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Remember when I got randomly invited to a rave under a bridge in, like, Westtown? I was like, this sounds dangerous.
0: That's probably (laughs) fun. I've done a lot of weird shit in my life.